Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. Today on Things You Should Know, habits and concepts that were stolen from people that are more successful than me. Stick around. you should know podcasts our focus varies from commonly asked questions like what are the top email apps for iphone users or how much does it cost to go to disney world anyway to the trending topics of the day such as are taxes going up or down and who's elon musk we shed light on things you probably have always wondered about but you never got around to investigating them yourself This podcast brings you the answers to your most commonly asked questions and makes you smarter just by listening. Information empowers, and the more information you have, the better decisions you can make, and ultimately, your quality of life is based on the decisions you make. So, thanks for joining the discussion, and make sure that you subscribe today and not miss out on any future episodes of Things You Should Know. Welcome to Things You Should Know, and this is Kelly. I'm your host, and as always, it's my pleasure to welcome you into the podcast, to the show. Really good show today. I want you to um, take notes or at least listen more than once because there is some really, there's some really good information here that I think that you can apply immediately and see some effective change in your in your life. Which is the whole reason why we do this podcast, right? Uh, so today, well, recently, let me tell you, uh, I read an article and of course it's going to be posted in its entirety on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. So you can go over there and check it out in its entirety, but it was entitled 12 things that I stole from people who are more successful than me. Now, quite honestly, I went through the list. I really liked the article, but there are a couple of things that I, I don't necessarily resonate with. So I'm only going to give you the the ones that I did. But again, I'm going to put the complete article over on our Facebook page and in our group so that you can read it at your leisure. And the person who wrote the article can get um, some, you know, feedback as it relates to his article being uh, read and access because this came from Medium. And if you know anything about Medium, the authors there are writing, you know, these are bloggers and writers who need and depend on statistics in order to keep their, um, you know, in order to keep their, uh, 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 blog and their, and their, um, 
activity going on that particular platform. So anyway, for those of you who are with us for the first time, welcome aboard. I really appreciate you being here. Go ahead now before you forget and hit that subscribe button. You want to make sure that the next time that we do have content out and available, which will be in two days, that you'll be the first to know. So, all right, guys, so let's jump into it. I'm not going to give you 12 things, but I'm going to give you the things that resonated with me the most and things that I think that you can implement like immediately. A few of these things I already do, but I know they're powerful and I know that they can help. So the first thing is you want to pare down the number of decisions that you have to make every day. I know this is probably not the first time many of you have heard this, but have you implemented this into your day to day life? Uh, researchers have found as humans, us as humans, our capacity to consistently make well thought out decisions is limited. It's finite. So you can imagine just from a logical and a rational standpoint, you're fresher Just think about how you feel. You're fresher in the morning than you are in the evening. As parents, if if a child comes to us in the morning uh, for cake for breakfast, for example, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. You're fresher. You're on guard. You're ready to parent for the day. But if you've had a long day at the office and you're home and you just cooked and you want to sit down and you remember you've got a few other emails you need to send out and it's getting later and you still have to get the bath uh, for the kids and you still have to check the homework. And right around that time, if the kids were to make that same request, you know, cake and and these sorts of things, maybe you're a little less um, empowered to put up some level of defense. Maybe they get the cake later in the evening because at that point you just want to lay down. You just want to be done with the day. So the suggestion here is that when you use your brain power earlier in the day, deciding what to eat for breakfast, for example, what to wear from the, you know, for that day. And the way I heard about this information had to do with your wardrobe. If you look at Zuckerberg and uh, Bezos and even uh, Jobs when he was alive, they always wore the same clothes and they subscribe to the same philosophy, which is why bother making decisions on things as uh, inconsequential as your attire. Because I want to use my brain power to do so many more things this day. I'm just, I have a wardrobe full of black jeans and black shirts and that's all I wear. Or Zuckerberg has jeans and a t-shirt and that's all he wears. That's all he wears. And he's putting his attention and his focus in other places. Um, again, earlier in the day, if you're exhausting yourself making, uh, decisions about, uh, things that are inconsequential, what will you do later in the day when it comes down to, you know, maybe some larger decisions that really need your focus? John Tierney is the co-author of a New York Times bestseller called Willpower. And this is what he says. Decision fatigue, which is what this concept is about. Decision fatigue helps explain why ordinary, sensible people get angry at colleagues and families, splurge on clothes, buy junk food at the supermarket, and can't resist the dealer's offer to rust-proof their new car. 
No matter how rational and high minded you may be or try to be, you can't make decision after decision without paying a biological price. It's different from ordinary physical fatigue. You're not consciously even aware that you're doing this and you're aware of being tired, but you're low on mental energy. So simply put, every decision that you make uses up some mental resource, some mental energy. So in order to save your mental power for the important decisions of the day, you have to learn to reduce the total number of decisions that you're making on a daily basis. And the result by doing this, you will find yourself becoming significantly less stressed, more productive and overall more pleasant, more happy. So again, decision fatigue, uh, cut out the number of decisions you're making every day. Uh, we can do this with our wardrobe. We can do this with the type of breakfast we eat. Uh, we can do this in many ways, but figure out the thing. Maybe your wardrobe is super important to you. Okay. If it is, why don't you do like your mom used to do when you were in school? Lay it out the night before. So when you get up in the morning, there's no decision to make. Your clothes are already pressed and the shoes and the dress and everything goes together and you just plop it on. Well, these days, because most of us are still, uh, doing you know, quarantine work from home, uh, our outfits are not as important as they used to be, or at least the bottoms are not. The tops may change because of the all the zooming we're doing, but I think you get the idea. All right. So second, this one really hit me and this is one that I'm going to implement because I'm, I'm uh, guilty of doing this. The second one is to tear up your to-do list. So success is never achieved by the person who does the most things every day. Instead, Success is achieved by the person who does what is most important every day. And the church says, amen, because I get caught up in a lot of busy work, getting things checked off. And I feel a certain way about um, being able to check things off of my list. But quite honestly, are those the most important things and how productive am I being overall? How close to my goal am I getting? Am I getting? This is why to-do lists can oftentimes do more harm than good. Why? Because a to-do list is essentially everything you think you need to do, not everything you actually ought to be doing. Because the question has to be this. Even in my uh, spiritual growth and my maturation process, continual learning is something that is always on the agenda and the menu for me. Hence this podcast, I'm always reading and trying to educate and empower myself on a number of things. Uh, and so from the spiritual side, I listen to a, a new thought teacher and I'm doing this 21 day challenge. And part of the challenge is to focus on the things that you do every day. Very similar to this idea here, the to do list. And each time you are to ask yourself, how does this move me closer to my mission, to my life's goal, to my overall intention. Is what I'm doing right now or planning to do, is that something in alignment with my overall goal? And so when you're creating to-do lists, 
a lot of times for me, my to-do list is all over the place because I could be trying to remind myself that I need to get trash batch from the store while I also on the same list could have down that very important email that needs to go back to a new client in order to secure uh, contracts and things like that. So my to-do list in- encompasses all of that. And sometimes it is very lengthy. But it doesn't, obviously getting trash bags from the store is not as important as making sure this email is sent to this new particular client. So in the book, The One Thing, author Gary Keller, founder of the largest real estate company in the world, says to-do lists tend to be long. And I agree. Success lists are short. One pulls you in all directions. The other aims you in a specific direction. One is a disorganized directory and the other is a organized directive. Again, ask yourself, is this putting me closer to my end goal? Is this why I'm doing what I'm doing? If a list isn't built around success, then that's not where it's going to take you. If your to-do list contained everything, which mine actually did, then it's probably taking you everywhere but where you really want to go. And that's true. Many days I didn't feel like I was moving closer to my end goal because some of the things that I needed to do from a business standpoint still were unchecked, although these smaller things were checked off. It made me feel like I was getting something done, but ultimately I wasn't getting done the things that were most important to me, or at least the things I said were most important to me. Not everything matters equally. For example, having clean windows may seem important for you to do, but it doesn't help you achieve success. It distracts from the success. The next time you create a to-do list, don't make your to-do list in random order. Instead, take a few extra minutes to list everything on your to-do list in order of priority and then focus only doing the three most important things on those lists. Here's what I used to do that I'm getting back to. Number one, I'm going to do exactly what I just said there in that recommendation. But number two is those things that are tough. I'm going to tell you why sometimes the small things get checked off and the big things don't, because the small things are easier to accomplish, quite honestly. So we figured, let me just do that. At least I'll feel like I've gotten something done for today. That's that's the underlying thought there. But what he's suggesting here is, and I can't remember the name of the book that I read before, but it suggests this. Write down the tough things that you have to accomplish that day and do those first. So we're talking about 80-20 rule. If we did only 20% of the things on our list, but they were the things at the top from priority, we would accomplish more during that day by doing that versus the 80% that were less important. Make sure you're doing things that are getting you closer to your goal. So number three. Uh, turn the have to's into get to's change your mentality. Instead of saying have to, I have to go to work. I have to go jog or I have to work out or I have to do yoga. Say I get to go running or I get to ride my bike or I get to cook dinner. Um, don't view your habits as challenges. Instead, view them as opportunities in the book, atomic habits, habit building expert, James clear says, We often talk about everything we have to do in a given day. 
You have to wake up every morning for work. You have to make other sales calls for business. You have to cook dinner. You have to get baths. You have to help with homework, all of these things. Now imagine challenging or changing just one word. You don't have to, you get to. You get to wake up early every day for work. You get to make another sales call for your business. You get to cook dinner for your family. This seems like semantics, but you know this is a mental game. It's actually a crucial component of building new habits and ultimately improving your life, which is all we talk about here on the podcast, improving the quality of your life. Simply changing one word in your uh, life, like have to and uh, to get to, you start to see building habits like going from uh, for a run and reading every day as a privilege rather than a burden. Here's some examples. Don't tell yourself, I have to go running today. Instead, tell yourself, I get to build endurance and get fast today. Don't tell yourself, I have to read today. Instead, tell yourself, I get to learn from the most intelligent and successful individuals who've ever lived today. Don't tell yourself, I have to write today. Instead, tell yourself, I get to impact thousands of people for the better through my thoughts today. Because with me, even sitting down doing these podcasts every other day, some days it's a little uh, more difficult to do than others because I have a life and job and family and kids and so forth. But I have a passion for for this. I have a passion for helping people. And that's why I started to begin with. So I never look at it like it's something I have to do. But some days, because I've confined myself to schedule, I do sort of feel that way. But I always remind myself, this is something that benefits people. This is something that benefits me. And so I get to do it. It's a privilege. What we're doing is learning to reframe our mental, our, our minds around our habits. And we highlight the benefits rather than the drawbacks. Looking for the positive instead of the negative, the wanted instead of the unwanted. It's no different than when you pick up a phone, you see the caller ID, and you say, oh my God, what do they want now? Reframe that. Don't say things like that because you position yourself for negative information or bad news. Don't say things like, here's something I've completely taken out of my vocabulary. I'm going to, this is free for you. Don't ever uh, use the term worst case scenario. Why? Why do you want to have the worst case scenario happen in any instance? Do you want to see that happen? When people say things like this, well, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm planning for the worst. No, you're not hoping for the best. You can't do those things together. Those are contradictory and self-sabotory. Either you are wishing, hoping for the best or you're planning for the worst. You can't do them both. And the idea, of course, is I don't want to get my hopes up too high. Well, your hopes are what takes you to that next level. It's you imagining you can do this thing. You can be this person. You can lose that weight. You can live in this house or you can purchase this car or you can graduate and get this Ph.D. finally. But don't say that you're hoping for something good, but also preparing for something bad. Those are two separate mindsets. That is a double minded man. You can't do those things. Do one or the other. You're lukewarm. You're going to get sped out. All right. Let's keep going. Use people's favorite sound. 
use people's favorite sound. Most people want to be liked, and it is to a large degree important to be liked, particularly if you're in an environment around other people and your success, be it your career or your business, is dependent upon people interaction. So how do you do that? Because it's extremely important. In the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie interviews the late American politician Jim Farley on his secret of being a more likable and persuasive person. So what do you think he said? What do you think his secret was? What are people's most favorite sounds? Well, it's their names. Farley would go out of his way to remember the names of everyone that he'd met. In fact, Farley could remember the names of thousands of people. It's definitely impressive. I don't know if I could do that. Uh, I have uh, been uh, in the capacity of being uh, chairman of different organizations. And sometimes I would lead conferences of several hundred people and I would meet many people and their faces would register, but I had difficulty with registering their names all the time. And so what I would do is I would try to um, say their names multiple times while I still had it in my mind. You, you know, the, the more I would repeat it, the better chance I would have of remembering. But anyway, Remembering people's names are important for two reasons. Number one, when you remember someone's name, because you think about it from the other side, when someone remembers your name, how do you feel? Well, it makes you feel respected and more important. You feel like, man, that guy remembers me. That guy remembers me. She really, I must have made an impact on her. She remembered my name. However, when you don't get remembered and when people don't remember someone's name, especially when they're told their name multiple times, it can make that person feel slighted or less important. Second reason is when you actively use someone's name in conversation, it makes that person feel more engaged and interested. Now, I do this all the time. Like I said, I've been chairman of a couple of different organizations. And for those people whose names I do know, I try to include them uh, because of this reason. One, it, it keeps them engaged and interested. And it gives them some level of visibility, some level of ownership. It lets them feel like they're part of the process, that you recognize them and their value to whatever it is that you're discussing. Let's take a quick break. Hey, I'm going to get you back to that episode really quick. I know you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to say thank you, break in really quick to say thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Three things really quickly. Number one, thank you for listening. Number two, please go down in the show notes. We have a new um, way to communicate and it is through text. So we'd love to hear from you guys. So please send us a text message when you're done listening to this episode. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. And then lastly, please go into our digital store. We've got a lot of digital products there that can help you be supported throughout these content deliveries throughout the podcast. There are ways for you to download these worksheets and eBooks and different things that can help really solidify some of the content that we talk about here on Rethink Podcast. Thank you guys so much, and I'll get you back to your episode. So 
So Carnegie says, this is because a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. And I would agree. People like to uh, hear their names called out for positive things. We're obviously talking about positive stuff. This all is is in the reverse if it's something negative. Nobody wants to be on the news accused of some bad thing. But if it's positive, people like to have their names associated with positive things. They like to be recognized. They like to be rewarded. So would you. One of the things, and this is free also, uh, years ago when I was first introduced to management, I was in a very aggressive corporate environment, struggling with understanding the importance of perceptions and the level of politics that one has to uh, navigate in order to be successful, at least in this company. I had a gentleman, an older gentleman, tell me uh, some very important information. And this thing has stayed with me the entire my, my entire life. And I've used it and I believe it to be true. And that is this. If you want something, let's say, for example, you're a manager of a team and you want something. Let's say you want certain numbers or certain results from your team, certain sales results. And even if you wanted something from an individual, you know, a, a level of performance or consistency or, or, or just to get to work on time, whatever it is, find out what your team wants. Find out what that individual wants. And this is radical. Give it to them. Give it to them. The best way to create success for yourself is to do it for other people. The best way to create success for yourself is to do it to other people. Find out, even if you're in social organizations where it's all voluntary, nobody's getting paid to be here. Find out what your teammates want and give it to them. And you will find out a curious thing about human beings that they automatically, most, I would say a large percentage, they automatically reciprocate. They then want to do stuff for you because why you've, you've started it. It's the old reaping and sowing. It, it is that when you do for people, it takes a specially <laughs> mean person not to reciprocate or say thank you uh, when someone does something for them, especially if you don't have to. So you're, you're, you're a mom and you say to your, to your kid, you come home one day and, and you just have, um, I don't know. Maybe your kid likes um, your kid likes uh, games, and you bought the the nicest, newest, coolest game for no reason. There's there's no birthday. There's no report card. There's no Christmas. You just say, you know what? Here's a a gift for you. Uh, and I've tested this this theory out. You'll see that it changes the behavior of the kid. The kid now feels uh, more up. Uh, to have that room clean and to be available when you need them to do things around the house versus not find out what that other group wants, what the other individual wants, even in relationships, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever give to them, just give the the problem. And the reason I'm getting a little bit off, but this still works because the divorce rate is so high. My opinion, having been married almost 25 years, met my wife uh, 26 or more years. And I had to learn this in the relationship because this is something that you learn on the job. It's it is your ability to become the thing you want. 
that will lead to you obtaining and getting that which you desire. So what does that mean? If you want more attention in your relationship, guess what you need to do? Give it. If you want more love, if you want uh, more conversation, whatever it is that you want, give it to your spouse. Give it to your boyfriend. Give it to your girlfriend. Give it to your partner and watch what happens. Become that thing that you want and see if it doesn't come right back to you. So in this case, we're talking about people's names. So let's do our best to remember people's names when we're in business settings and we're on these Zoom meetings with so many folks. It's a little easier now because people's names pop up, but it is a technique and it's one that can benefit you in your career and your professional endeavors, particularly if you're an entrepreneur and you're a shop owner, business owner, salon owner. Customers love when they come back to get their hair cut or hair done and say, hey, Susan, that's one of the reasons people are so loyal to their bar. And so loyal to the person that does their hair outside of the fact they do a good job more than likely, but they remember them. They know their names. All right. So I've got two more things for you. Number one is, oh, well, the next one I should say is not number one, but take sabbaticals from work. I, I did this in um, smaller fashion from social commitments that I had last year. And it really, really worked. Take sabbaticals from work. If you feel like you're getting roadblocks and bottlenecks and you just don't have that same creative energy or juices, you need to look into taking a sabbatical. And sabbaticals are these mini vacations from work or from any particular activity that you're doing on a constant basis. And what it allows you to do is to detox. So you know what detox is for your body, but we don't think we need to detox our mind. We need to recharge and detox our minds as much or more or more than we do our bodies. Why? Because we use this again, go back to the top of this podcast. We were talking about decision fatigue. There's so many things going on. And if you're someone who watches the news and inundates yourself with all that foolishness, then yeah, you, you've got a lot of stuff in there. You've got a lot of stuff rumbling around in there. So you need to look at a, a sabbatical from, from work in the book, show your work. There's a author, Austin Cleon, he says this, the designer, Stefan Sagmister, swears by the power of a sabbatical. Every seven years, he shuts down his studio and he takes a year off to rejuvenate and to refresh his creative outlook. His thinking is that we dedicate the first 25 years of our lives to living, to learning, the next 40 to work, and the last 15 to retire. So why not take five years off? retirement and use them to break up the work years. He says the sabbatical has turned out to be an invaluable method to his work. Everything, quote, that was designed in the seven years following the first sabbatical had its roots in thinking done during that sabbatical, end quote. That's a very powerful truth because You'll find when when you hear things like, you know, uh, Einstein had his uh, uh, revolutionary thinking in the shower. There's a reason why these things come to you when you're on the downtime. When you're trying to do something, it's less likely that what you're seeking is going to come to you because um, 
you're using your mental power in a way that's not most constructive. Um, not to get too off track, but again, back to uh, a, a, a spiritual practice that I know works. Uh, the whole point of meditation is to break the idea and the ideology of this elongated thought piece. Many people believe that they're their minds. They believe that thoughts, I mean, they just allow thoughts to just take them in any different direction. Whatever thought comes, it, it, it shoots them off. And one is just as important as the other. And they're very subject to their mind. They believe they are their minds. Well, I don't believe that. I believe you have a mind. You're not your mind. You you can witness thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. And until you separate yourself from those things, you're going to be you're going to be handcuffed. You're going to be at the mercy of your mind, which is relentless, by the way, which is ever changing, by the way. You can control your mind. You don't think you can because you've never tried, but you can control your mind. Through, how? Through the practice of meditation. If you don't, if you say, hey, I can't take a year off of work to do a sabbatical. Well, maybe the practice of meditation, mindfulness will assist you in breaking these elongated thought patterns and these um, these areas of your life where you just feel subject to the thoughts. Every time they come, your moods are changing and you're going off in every different direction. Learn to witness, just live as the witness, as opposed to um, the actual person, that body-mind experience. We'll do another podcast and talk a little bit more about it because we can get into more detail where I think I could help you a lot more in terms of providing information for you to employ in your everyday life. But the bottom line about the sabbatical is very simple. Take some time off from your work, whether it's a week, a day, even a few hours a day to cultivate new ideas, to allow your creativity to work. Most of us live in the past are some projection of what will be. Very few people are conscious enough and have the ability to live in the present moment. Why is that important? Because you're in the present moment. If you are tied to past thoughts, then you are recreating today similar activities that you did yesterday. And you will never get out of that pattern until you get out of that thought process. If you are creating anxiety, and stress about what may happen in the future, then again, you're still not in a present moment. It's in the present moment that you are who you are most. You are that incomparable. You are that creative. You are part of that um, wholeness, that oneness that is. And you can tap into what's called the universal mind or Christ consciousness, and you can all information is available. You just have to make yourself available to receive it and being busy with the past or busy with the future takes you out of the present and takes you out of line with being able to receive that which you're looking for. Because at the end of the day, all this searching and running around, you're you're looking for you. You just don't know that, but you're looking for you. So anyway, here's the last piece of advice. Never ask for someone's opinion. So if you ever ask someone for their input or an idea about something, don't ask for their opinion in the future, ask for their advice. So what's the difference? 
Well, if you ask someone for their advice, this puts the person in a togetherness state of mind. This is psychology here, which helps to increase the person's desire to want to actually help you and support whatever you're asking them to do. But if you ask for their opinion, this puts the other person in a introspection state of mind, which makes them focus more on their self versus you. So whenever you're seeking someone's input, be it your customer, your peers, your boss, it's worth asking for their advice. And also, I think you're kind of putting them on a little bit of a pedestal because you're seeking information from them. And when someone comes to you uh, for their for, for your advice, it makes you feel like perhaps I, <laughs> I know more. Then I thought I did. This person sees me in a certain light or uh, someone asking you for the advice makes you feel like not so much you're a subject matter expert in this area, but not so much that you're not. Not so much that you're not. The novelist Saul Bellow once observed when we ask for advice, we're usually looking for uh, an accomplice. I'd only add on the basis of scientific evidence that if we get the advice, we usually get that accomplice. Um, so yeah, ask for people's advice instead of their uh, opinions. So these are several things that uh, I've stole from people that are more successful than me. I know somewhere in here, I've hit your button. There's something in here that you can do immediately. I don't care whether it's the getting rid of the to-do list, which I am doing today. Whether it is the paring down your decision making from decision fatigue, I'm going to I'm going to do this like immediately. These are two things I'm going to do. I sort of did the decision fatigue thing already because I kind of wear almost the same thing every day as it is. But I'm going to just make it even more simple. I go through my closet periodically and I take out stuff and I've got half of the stuff I have in there now versus last year. But I still think I'm only wearing about 20 percent of stuff in my closet so I could take it down even further. So I'm going to do that. But I'm going to post this article on our Facebook page and also on our Facebook group so you can go and read it in its entirety and you can take with you the things that are going to work for you. But of course, our goal here is to empower you. Why? For you to make better decisions every day. Why? So that you can impact your quality of life from a positive standpoint. You can share this information with your friends, family, co-workers, and so forth. But really, the goal here is to help empower you as you make better decisions every day. Hopefully one of those decisions will be to check us out in two more days because that's when we'll be back with more good information and things that you should know. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates. 
and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.